You found the only podcast that looks both ways before crossing the street. Hey, let me ask you something. On this episode, Kristen and Ralph stand up at the staff meeting and do a slide presentation all about handling the pressure of returning to working in person, questioning authority, speaking up for yourself, doing what great leaders do, drowning in uncertainty, and making fresh pesto just like the barefoot Contessa. And as always, the views expressed on the Hey, Let Me Ask You Something podcast are solely the opinions of your hosts, Kristen Wood and Ralph Andracchio, and are based on their years of practical and clinical experience. These opinions do not constitute any kind of advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any mental, physical, or emotional issues. If you are having an emergency or any serious ongoing situations, please contact your local hospital or a trusted professional. You can find this complete disclaimer on our podcast homepage. And now, on with the show. I just made pesto again for the second time, but my um, my plant outside is gigantic now. It's like four when feet tall. Are you bringing tall. me the pesto? I I can think I, have I a just little mini jar of pesto. You can, and I ju- I think I just perfected it today. I'll cook something. I found a really great simple recipe. Pesto is pretty simple anyway. It's just put it like, on like spaghetti or like linguine. That's what we did. We put it on um, what's the spiral? Rig- rigatoni. 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 We put it on rigatoni. You put it on a spiral. Uh, uh, food tip. You put it on. A, you, the more ridges pasta has, the more it holds on to sauce. So if you want your pasta to hold on to sauce, you pick the spiral oh, one. Oh, thank you for the food fact. Right. Because because think about it, yeah. if it's just spaghetti or it's the, fall right off. The, yeah. the 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 tubes, yeah. the, yeah. the you know slick tube, it's going to fall right off. Right so, on. I like doing the spiral one because it holds all the sauce and everything. It. Right, you're saucy. Saucy, right? So, uh, but yeah, it's there's something really satisfying about having the ingredients in your backyard. And I just, I literally just went out from my kitchen, snipped off a few branches of basil and brought it inside. I felt Let like me go out to the farm. Right. I felt like uh, I felt like the barefoot contessa. Like today we're gonna make a delicious pesto. <laughs> gonna just lean out my kitchen window. Right. Oh, that was great. Anyway, hi. Hi. I'm excited for this one. I'm excited for all of them. I it's like it's like my mom. I'm one of eight and so my mom is like we're all her favorites, and I feel like that way well, about our episodes. Well, of course you are. How else could you do it? It would be a chaos. <laughs> Remind me next next episode, I'm going to come on and be like, this one is going to suck. <laughs> this is going to be our worst this one. Will pull, it'll pull you right in. This when we one say I that. hate. This yes, one's going to be, be terrible. At the edge of your seat wanting to hear that um, episode. How was, your, how was your week? My week was pretty good, except that, um, if, I don't know if you guys can hear, I have a cold. Mm. We thought it was, I thought it was maybe a sinus infection, <clears throat> but it's definitely traveled through like a cold does so, and it's summer colds are not, no fun. Summer colds are the worst. But I had the most frustrating experience at the doctor. Do tell. Well, I went to the doctor because I thought I needed an antibiotic and thought sooner rather than later, and... She first wants to test me for COVID, fine. But I, I didn't like the way she was asking me a lot of questions about where I had been and what I'd been doing. And it was really sort of a COVID assessment of have you been in big crowds? I'm like, yeah, I've been everywhere and anywhere because everything's open mm-hmm. and I'm fully vaccinated. But it felt I felt a little judged, like I was doing something wrong, even though I wasn't. And then she says to me, even if it's a cold, you might want to think about 
quarantining for 10 days. And I looked at her, and I was so close to looking at this doctor and saying, ma'am, doctor, ma'am, <laughs> guess who's not doing that? That's not going to happen. And is this where we are now? I thought this is... Because if I was an alarmist around COVID, which I'm not, mm-hmm. that could send you know a lot of people into a lot of anxiety, just the way in which she was talking to me. I'm sure her points were very valid, but the way it was... It came at me. I was very uncomfortable and frustrated. And I thought in my head, I'm not doing that. I've never done that in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And you don't go willy-nilly around talking, telling people to quarantine. Quarantine means you have COVID or you think you have COVID or you've been exposed to COVID. Mm-hmm. And there was no evidence I didn't and I don't. And then I got very like, is this what's going to be like every time I go to the doctor now? I just like that you called her Dr. May. <laughs> Doctor, new on ABC. In a- my head, I, I said lots of things out loud. I didn't say it <laughs> New all. on ABC this fall, <laughs> Dr. Ma'am, <laughs> starring Meryl Streep. Right. How was your weekend, Ralph? Good. Or week, weekend? Week, week, weekend, a weekend. Weekend, a weekend, two bits. It was good. <laughs> um, what did I do? I, I, uh, I celebrated hard on Saturday because my first improv class happened. Congrats. Thank you. It was very, very uh, fun, and everybody had a good time, and we went out for drinks afterwards. And it was just nice. That's what I usually do with my my classes anyway, because everybody's of age, and I'm like, hey, you know, let's... We, I like to invite them to like get a bite to eat or have a drink if they drink, and like because people like to ask me questions because usually when people take improv class, they're like, what is this all about? What are like they're all really curious and want to ask questions, and that's I love doing that, so that's why I usually. And it builds you know, a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, and um, and another thing to that speaks to um, your your doctor story is, I actually, um think more doctors should take improv class because it helps them with their bedside manner. Well, Dr. Ma'am needs Dr. to Dr. Ma'am, if you're listening, <laughs> take my improv class. I get a lot of doctors, I get a lot of therapists, and I get a lot of lawyers in classes a lot of times really? because they're like three professions that need to work on their conversation skills and getting along with people and giving speeches and stuff. And so an improv class is like the perfect way to do that. But yeah, please, if you're a doctor, take an improv class because... It really does help with your, your bedside manner and how you you um, interact with patients and make them feel better because, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but the hospitals and doctors' offices are not my favorite place to be. And so if the doctor has a good rapport with me, it goes a hell of a long way for me feeling a lot more comfortable and opening up to them because I think you want your patients to open up at you and tell you everything so you can diagnose them properly. So if they don't like you and they feel uncomfortable, they're not going to... You know this from your practice. Yes, she's not my regular doctor because it was a sick visit. You just take whoever. And I actually usually always like... Have a good, I always have a good doctor's experience. I'm not going to promote this hospital just because they're big enough. Don't. But, uh, they don't deserve the plug. But I, I've had very good experiences to this one. And maybe it was partly I was very grumpy and I didn't want to go to the doctor because I don't like going. And I didn't feel well. So, you know, there was probably some of my own stuff going along with how I felt about the visit. But yeah. it irked my soul for a little while. Well, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm, I'll I hope be you fine. recovered. Okay. I've recovered now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Both physically and emotionally. Yes, I am. On the men. <laughs> Speaking of COVID, which we've been doing, I feel like, every single one of these episodes. But hey, 
this podcast does not happen in a bubble. It exists in the world that we live in. Um, we have another question from our, uh, our listening public, and it is, um, it's specific, it's generally about COVID, but specifically about questioning authority, I think is a good way to put it. Um, so the question this week is, and I'm paraphrasing cause it was, a, it was a, a deep one and we have, we have questions about the question, but I, we're going to talk about them to kind of pick it apart. Uh, general, the general gist of it is, uh, I am concerned about how my company is pressuring us to return in person in the office most days per week in the fall. I feel like there's a mental health component that's being ignored in their speeches about quote-unquote returning to normal. How do I navigate the workplace rhetoric of quote-unquote returning to normal and expectation that we will do so when normal doesn't exist and there is still so much uncertainty in the future? Yeah, there's so much in here. We there could be here so, for this days. Is, yeah, this is like a, a seven-course meal of a question and we love it. So yes. thank you. Thank you for sending this yes, in. Yes. Thank you, listener. We were um, so excited about this question. First of all, I, you know, again, I want to return to my old chestnut. There is no such thing as normal. So when anybody says returning to normal, I have a ton of questions for them right off the bat. Um, but I know you clued in on, uh, the mental health component. So tell me more about what, what sparked for you when you heard that part of it. That part jumped out at me. Clearly, that is my profession. Sure, so, of course. But it it just spoke to, you know, I, again, this is where I had more questions for the, for the question of mm-hmm. what mental health components are we talking about? My guess is anxiety. I, I mean, we're, we're just kind of assuming that, that anxiety is likely the mental health component. And I like the fact that this listener's thinking about, and I, and I don't like the fact they're experiencing this, but is addressing this component of what it's like for people to return to the office. That it's not just like, okay, things are opening back up, you're vaccinated, and just put you right back where you were before. That a lot of people aren't comfortable, number one, being around a lot of people in closed spaces right now. And it is an adjustment. And I don't think it's smart for employers to ignore the fact that that's an adjustment and that it could people could be experiencing some anxiety about that. Not not just anxiety, but stress, anger, guilt, like the whole gamut of kind of, I have a, I have a, um, an emotions wheel that I use in class sometimes because I, my, one of my favorite classes to teach is about emotions and how to like portray them on stage. So I have this giant wheel of emotions that's what made me think of it. But yeah, I mean, throw a dart. Any emotion on that wheel is probably what somebody's feeling right now. And I can understand. I mean, I don't understand right now because I, I have my own business and I work from home. But I've been there where it's like you, you have to you're expected to work in the office. You're expected to be around everybody. You're expected to, to you know, work 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it's that's why I have a problem with return to normal, because there is, first of all, there is no normal, but also what we can't go back to where, when it was before, how it was before, especially now because there's new variants popping up because people, you know, refuse to get vaccinated. And, and it's like, there's, we're going to go back into, I'm, I guarantee it, mark my words, we're going to go back into another quarantine because 
there's just too much crap out there floating around. And so I, I don't even know this, this question might be premature. We might, you know, the government may say tomorrow, Hey, too much stuff is popping up. Stay where you're at for a no, while. No, please no, Ralph. I, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy that's, that's the naysayer because I'm enjoying seeing my friends and my family and hanging out and traveling. But, I mean, it, 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 I don't know. There, yeah. Well, the, you bring up the whole point of, which I think is in this question of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. There's just so much uncertainty. And for some people, discomfort with a lot, especially depending on the company, how big the company is, how close quarters you are sitting, do you have your own office versus you're in a cubicle with 50 other people right next to you. I think all of that is a very are very important pieces, and we obviously don't have all those specific answers. But there is just still so much uncertainty, and you're right, all this stuff's popping up in the news every day, and that is giving people, that's reigniting, I think, either reigniting or exacerbating anxiety all over again mm-hmm. people that still had it and were already fearful this would happen it's worsening and those that that maybe wanted to believe or believe that we are moving in the other direction are now like oh my gosh what if we're not and that can also affect their comfort level with again being around a lot of people right now in close quarters and no masks required etc right and i so i think for the for the personal part of this question, I, I think um, what we've said before still holds of you can only control yourself. You can only control your personal bubble, your space, your reactions to things, how you take care of yourself. So if you if you have no choice, no other choice and you need to go back into the office, don't worry what you look like, what other people are going to think about you or feel about you if you stick to the protocols. Wear your mask, you know, wash your hands, keep, keep safe distance as much as you can. Do everything you can within your power to keep yourself safe. And if, if somebody's like, what are you doing, you dork? Like, you, we don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to wear a mask. Too bad. I didn't want to come back into work because it's, I, I still don't feel safe. So I'm going to do everything in my power to feel safe because I care about myself. I care about my family. The people are going to see me when I go home, you know, so I'm going to do what I'm going to do to keep myself safe. And I don't care what I look like. I think it's just naive or an oversight or whatever word you want to use to think that people are going to be able to pop back into the office like this and resume. We'll just use the word resume, resume the way they used to work. Yeah. Because think about how hard it was for everybody to adjust to being to working at home that took months it's a great point and it was very very difficult for a lot of people mm-hmm. and i've had this conversation with with uh several individuals recently of getting really comfortable in that routine to a point and then all of a sudden we have to adjust back and so that takes time and coupled with all the uncertainty of what of all the stuff that's still going on that's I think that this listener brings up a lot of very good points and, and, and concerns that I haven't heard a lot of discussion around. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I see organizations struggling with how to navigate this on, on a bigger scale, you know, because I think they're starting to realize, oh, people are pushing back hard against 
going back to what the way things were before because everybody's now realized we can work in a different way and it works, you know? So there is no scramble to get back into the, a physical office because we've been doing fine for the past 18 months, you know? And, and I think that there is another part of this um, being ignored, I think. The, the health component's being ignored, but I think the voice of the teams are being ignored too because there was a part of this question about how do, how do I push back in meetings or push back against managers or people in upper levels when they, when they say, no, you all have to come back in. Like, how does somebody navigate that aspect of the conversation of, of when your boss says, no, you have to come in, you know, what do you do? I mean, you can, there's two options. Well, there's three. You can say nothing and do it and feel anxious and feel all the other feelings and go to work every day with that and struggle. You can attempt to communicate that to your employer about how you're feeling about all of what's going on. Or... I don't know what the third one was. I think I might have made out that there was a I third. think you just said two. I said two. Yeah. Oh, I meant two. Anyway, back up. <laughs> There's two possible things that you can do here. And I understand or I can I can feel it in the tone of this this um, question that this individual is fearful of doing of assert wants to assert themselves is what I'm hearing and wants to say something, but also is nervous about these upper management has control over my livelihood and if I don't address this correctly or I, I didn't say this in the question but if I'm not heard then what I think I think you hit the nail on the head being heard. yeah yeah being heard and being heard doesn't mean you're going to get your way it being heard doesn't mean they're going to change their minds right but my opinion good management would have Again, I'm a therapist, so I'm coming from my with that hat on of, all, of, of, of always. Right, yeah. That a good management that's has a high level of emotional intelligence would understand the fact that people have different feelings around this and would have opened this up for some type of discussion. But I don't think that's the majority or I'm not hearing that that's happening, even if they're not going to change their mind. There's a lot of power in validating and acknowledging the feelings of your staff and employees, even if you still decide to move forward. Yeah. Um, with, what, with your original plan, which is come back in the office. Right. Two, I, now I have two things. Not trying Good. to copy off you, yes, you but are. yeah. Copycat. Well, you have the best ideas. <laughs> um, number one about the management and leadership uh, leadership style. Um, good, great managers know that you don't lead from in front. You don't lead from afar. I mean, your team is your team, and you're in there with them. So I think a good, a great manager. I keep correcting myself because I don't want to. I don't want to make good managers. I want to make great managers. A great manager would have that empathy and start that conversation with their team and be like, hey, listen, the, the company wants you all to come back. Let's have a conversation. Like you said, I want to hear you all. I want to make sure everybody's heard. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Like, how can we navigate this together? I think that would be a really smart leadership 
thing to do, especially right now, because your team, like leaders out there, if you have a team, I guarantee you they're, they're anxious, they're angry, they're stressed, they're, they're all, again, they're all of the emotions on the wheel. And I think a great manager would set up time to have a, have a meeting, have a conversation with your team and say, okay, let's talk about this. Cause I, I want you all to function the best you can, right? Because that's the job of a great leader is to have their team function amazingly and fire on all cylinders. So, you know, there's that point. And then the second point is, and I lost it cause I was so long winded. It'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. It's okay. I, I think that you can get, you can give your staff, your employees a voice without doing anything different. What if you're a manager and your hands are tied? People above you are telling you this is what's going to happen and you mm-hmm. got no wiggle room with it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you can't do what we're saying. Right. You can. You can hear people yeah, and you can validate people and you can be direct honest with them. This is unfortunately for if you're not in agreement, this is still how we're going to move forward, but I at least wanted to give you the platform. Right. To be able to talk about it. And I, I, I don't know enough about, I don't know, I have enough data of what comp- how companies are approaching this. I'm not, I haven't heard anything about any of this happening. Right. But I uh, can't, I don't want to, you know, down companies out there that maybe are doing it. But I think literally everything can still happen the same way that it has to happen or will happen with how people decide to run their company. But... Morale is obviously extremely important. Mental health stability of your staff is obviously really important when you want to look at productivity. Yeah, please and profit. Please, organizations invest in the mental health of your employees. Period. End of discussion. Yes. Like it's it's not even up for debate anymore. It's twenty twenty one. Anybody who thinks that's not a vital component of of employee satisfaction is lying to themselves. So if you're listening, uh, out there and you, and you are in a place, in a position, in a company to put some kind of mental health or mental hygiene program into effect at your company, please do it. No matter how small, no matter how big it's your, your team members will thank you because it really is vital to having a, a, you know, everybody being happy and healthy. Um, oh, and I remembered my second point and that is there's power in numbers. So if you like specifically talking to the person who sent in this question, if you have a team and you haven't talked to them yet, like your team, your team mates, um, talk to them, send them email, send them an email, send them a direct message, text them, call them and say, you know, Hey, I have these concerns. How do you feel? And if enough of you feel the same way, there's power. I mean, that's where unions come from, you know, like all of you get together and go to your manager and say, Hey, we have concerns and we need you to hear us. I think that instead of waiting for your your manager to do that, you all can take the reins of that and steer the conversation and say, Hey, this is, this is just us being like, unhappy about a change at work this is like a a very serious health issue that we're all dealing with and we want to talk to you as a group so i think like i said before a great a great leader would do that from their end 
a great team that has a really good dynamic and cohesion would do that from the other end as well and say, hey, we're all coming together. We want to talk to you and we're going to have this conversation. It's important to look at this entire pandemic situation way past the physical health, physical safety standpoint. I think it's, 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 I don't want to say ignorant, that's not the right word, but it's, you're not even close if you're only thinking about the physical health and physical safety of your staff because the mental health effects of this pandemic on people we still don't even know i mean some Mm -hmm. stuff some some things we're already seeing i'm seeing it firsthand but i still believe that there is a lot more to come and i think that you cannot i i don't think it's smart i don't think it's thorough to come at this situation just looking at it from a physical health standpoint uh, totally agreed. And there, there's also an aspect to the question that I didn't read before about um, coming to your leadership staff or your leadership tier of your organization with different points of view or, uh, you know, that old chestnut of, you know, not just coming with a question become or not a problem, but coming with a solution kind of thing of like, <clears throat> what if I have a point of view of, well, this can actually save us money or this will help us in this way or that way. Like, I think that's totally valid to have a couple of those in your back pocket and say, listen, we've been thinking about it again. We, because you should definitely do this with a group of, of your teammates. I think that that's, there's like power in numbers, but say like, listen, we've been talking about it and here's a couple things that we thought, you know, as a counterpoint to forcing us to come back into work, here's how we've been working. Here's productivity, quote numbers. Like if you have access to that kind of data from your company about productivity and and sales and profit and all that kind of stuff, I know it's harder to gauge like satisfaction and, and all that kind of, you know, so, the soft part of it's not so much hard numbers. But I think if you get your hands on data like that, that's that's another tool in your tool belt that you can use when you talk to your leaders. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea because I'm trying to make sure we address that part of this question. Mm-hmm. We've touched on some of the stuff in the question as far as how to talk to management and people that have more power to you, power than you in within your workplace in prior episodes. So I encourage this listener to, to also, that might be helpful to listen to those Go as well. Go back and listen to our whole library, yeah. whole catalog. <laughs> yes, but... I think that coming at it, you know, in, in a, with the, what am I trying to say? Coming at it from the point of this could, I have these ideas, I have this data that could be a win for both, you know, where, right. where the employer is seeing the benefits of considering, potentially, depending on how big and what type of company you work for, mm-hmm. that your points, you know, has, has some data to work with. Because, yes, of course, I think that expressing how you feel about things is something you should be able to do at work. But the reality of it is you always you can't always do it and, and, and get the validation and support. Not everybody works for companies such as that. But I think most employers who are worried, who are, whose focus, well, all companies have a focus on productivity and profit, of course, if you can come in with real data, with real evidence-based information, 
I don't know if that made sense, but that this is this could work better. This is a different idea. This is a different angle. This is what's been happening, or this is what could happen. Might be able to get some ears opening up and listening a little bit more. You know, I think you should be able to do both, but you know, it kind of you. you everyone listening knows the culture of your company. I don't. What's going on, Ralph? I'm, I'm reading the question. Ralph again, is a very pensive look right now. I have. There are I, so many nuggets in man, here. Man, if I could, if you could see my face, the first thing you would think is pensive. Pensive. I'm even impressed I pulled that word that, out. I'm impressed too. I don't know where that came from. Sometimes words just fly out of my mouth, and I'm like, thank God for. So I think something really important that this person said in here that we didn't say in the in the recap is how can I respond to people with power to change my life, livelihood? And I think that's, that's a big part of this, is the, the, the power dynamic in America, because that's where I am and I can only speak for this country, but I think the power dynamic in America, in corporate America, is very lopsided. And so, you know, that is a, that is a valid concern of... You know, yeah, Kirsten and Ralph, these are great ideas, but I can't just go into work tomorrow and put the, you know, start saying this stuff because I'm going to get canned. You know, I'm very replaceable. And that sucks. You know, yes, that's the reality of a lot of people. Not to mention this is this person is asking this question from a very specific job, very specific career and a very specific point of view. You know, I, I always think about what, what about people in the service industry, you know, waiters and waitresses and people who work in fast food and people who work at convenience stores who none of this is applicable because, you know, either you come in and work your shift or I got 20 other people waiting in the wings that'll take your job. So, uh, you know, how do I talk to people with the power to, to change my livelihood? You know, I, that's a big question. I think it goes back to, I think it, it, it really touches on, can I continue to work in this environment, feel it, come up with ways that I can keep myself safe, that go along with the protocol of the company, and continue to get paid and sustain my livelihood through this particular company? Yeah. So maybe that's probably the first piece. And if the answer is no, then I guess the option is, depending on a person's situation, to look for another position somewhere else where they can feel more comfortable or take, well, I don't know, this is kind of easy for me to say, take the chance of speaking up. Mm. But if you do that, knowing you depending on the culture depending on the industry that could be the end of your position right. and uh, some people might say so why would you do that then why would you speak up if there's a high chance that you will then no longer have a job and for some that would make no sense and you wouldn't do that for others it can be healing it can be empowering for the that individual to share their feelings and thoughts and just be able to do that and just be able to do that and feel sort of the freedom feel I don't know if I sound really foo-foo right now but being but for some people they feel so strong 
that they may know, hopefully they have something else lined up or they have a plan in place, but they may know that the likelihood is high, that they may no longer have a job, but they feel very driven, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, That they have to say something. Right. Not just for themselves, maybe, but for everybody else and for others that might come behind them. I don't know. I, no, I, I don't I, know. If I, I, I feel like a lot of what I'm saying is very easy for me to say, but I'm really just trying to put things out for people to think about. And it depends on your situation and your circumstances. You know, somebody that's supporting a family and cannot lose this job is not going to do what I just said. Somebody that has something else lined up or has enough in savings to make get it by for a couple months is confident they could figure something out. You know, and yeah, I think that it really depends on kind of what's going on and is it purely for your own safety and your own health and your own comfort or is there a part of this in this person's question or for whomever listening that feels a duty or a pull? I know, I said duty. I said duty. I'm sorry. I'm seven years old. I apologize. I, I, that feels a duty to say something because they feel that strongly about what's going on right now. And I agree with everything you just said. And I, I want to add to it. Um, this is where the importance of having a circle of support comes in. And I, I say this to everybody. I say this to my clients. I say this when I give presentations. Build a build your own personal circle of support to deal with situations like this. I did not, not just to deal with the bad stuff either, to, to celebrate the good stuff. But having it, it doesn't matter how small or how big it is. If you have two or three people at work, you can confide in and they can confide in you. If it's if it's friends, if it's personal friends, if you know, whoever it is. Build that circle so when stuff like this comes up and you are having a really hard time with it, you can call them and be like, hey, I I need to just like vent or I need your opinion or I just need to talk through this. It really does help to have that support, that sounding board, that space where you can talk through this stuff because you're right. A lot of times people can't just go in and say this is how it's going to be or else I'm going to, I'm out of here. I'll find something else. If you can do that, great. But a lot, majority of the people can't do that. So it's like what way, again, it goes back to how, you know, you can control what you can control. How can you, how can you get a better handle on this situation from your end? And like you said in the beginning, be heard. Cause I think that's a huge part of this It's just like, I got concerns about literally everything happening in my life right now. I just want to be heard by somebody. That's kind of what I was trying to say yeah. in a very long-winded way. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to like... No, no, I like how you okay. summed it up for me. I, I, I also, what popped up for me was I don't get this feeling from the from the, the question we received, but I, of course, don't know this individual, so there could be some anxiety for them and for others out there around being the leader to convene all these people that feel the same way. Oh, that's a great point. I know I went there. Oh, yeah. Of, you know, if you're worried about your livelihood and you're worried about your superior's response to you and your thoughts and feelings, then would you also be worried about being the individual that convenes, let's just say, a group of staff that feels similar and being that leader, that lead person, which also takes me to a whole other step of if you're not a leader, 
that's not in your nature. It's something you're working on. And we get back to the same things of self-confidence and self-esteem and how Mm -hmm. assertive one is able to be. Then everything we're talking about is way more complicated, right? So even being able, which is a piece I hadn't thought about till right now, but that's why we do this, Mm. uh, even being able or knowing how to go to the other, your peers and say, hey, heard you, heard you say blah, 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 and I agree. Can we band together and figure out a way to approach management with it? There's a lot of people out there that even that conversation with one person that you already know feels the same way mm-hmm. could be very scary. That's a great point. Because what um, if they, like, like, you could think, like, sorry. No, no. What if they, they, what if they run and tell my, my boss that I came to them with this? Tattletale. Yeah, that would be a tattletale. Tattletales. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, yes, there, leadership isn't just a, a, a title that is bestowed on you by a company. No. Leadership is something that we are all capable of, no matter who we are, but some people just naturally are inclined to step into it a little more organically than others. And I feel like, especially times like this, the try people's souls... I think it's even more important to listen to yourself and say, you know, I got to say something or I have to talk to people. Listen to that voice. And if it's if it's telling you if your gut's pulling you in that direction of, no, I'm not going to forgive myself if I don't say something like I really I really should sit. That's that's your gut telling you, hey, leader, step up, like step out of your comfort zone and do this because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, that's that's what we need. We all know those people at work that aren't necessarily in a leadership role, but everybody goes to them anyway because they just have that air about them that they get stuff done and they listen and they respect and they, you know, they they are that they make that space for people. So if you can be that person, awesome, do it. Like don't listen to your your um logical brain telling you like, "No, no, we can't do this. It doesn't make sense." I mean, all you're doing is like talking to your 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 fellow teammates, your fellow employees and saying like, "Hey, are you concerned about this too? Like, what do you what do you think about this?" I think I think that's important. An important part of this is not going in with an agenda when you talk to people. I think just be curious. Like ask them questions because I think people would are more apt to open up to you if you're curious and like, "Hey, you know, what do you think about this whole, like, being forced back into work? Like, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. That That's a better opening than, hey, I think we should all band together yeah. and have this idea. Because as soon as you do that, people are like, whoa, buddy, no thank you. And then close the door in your face, you know. I agree. I think that actually is very good. That, that was great, Ralph, actually. Oh, please. No, I think be, approaching it that way just sort of I'm inqui- I'm inquiring inquiring mm-hmm. minds want to know mm-hmm. how do you what do you think about this is a very um not like a non-pressure way of of checking in with people that isn't yes that's not so commanding and we're all we're building a militia and here we go and let's put on our fatigues you know that, that hey. <laughs> but it's more just inquiring about how people feel. I think that's actually a really good approach. And I think our listener, not I mean, we are talking to our listener, we're talking to everyone, but maybe should think about whether or not they want to go directly themselves or they really want to 
address this with others as well and come up with a plan as a team. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not sure. They seem pretty certain in the question that other people feel the same way, but yet nobody, to my knowledge, is, is, has said anything yet. So, right. Which is what makes me think our listener might be more of a leader than they might think mm, they are. You outed yourself yes, as a leader. You, yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. I think you're a leader and you might not have known it. <laughs> Leadership. Um, so to summarize, uh, um, your, your health, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental health is paramount in any, in any conversation. So... To carry yourself first, do what you got to do to keep yourself safe mentally, physically, emotionally at work. Um, be curious. You know, if you if you do want to talk to your fellow teammates or your boss about this, don't go in guns blazing. I think like go in with a with a curious attitude and like, hey, I have you know, I'm curious about this. What do you think about this? Um, and step in step into your power be a leader, you know, or if you don't feel comfortable with that leadership role, like who can you talk to? Who, who, what kind of circle can you build where you can all support each other and be that leader in mass? You know, did I miss anything? Do you have anything? No. Okay. I have a, I have another question. Why do they call it fatigues? Because are you tired? No, I don't. I don't even know where I pull these words out no, of my brain you, sometimes. I mean, it was I'm a, like, where I haven't said the word fatigue other than feeling fatigued. I don't think ever, I, but it popped up. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> curious why it's called fatigues. Uh, listeners, yes, if, please. If you, if you, nothing else to say. If please. you have, and if you don't have a question and just have an answer for me specifically about why fatigues are called fatigues. Please send it into hey let me ask you something at gmail.com. Uh, that's where you can also send any questions you have for us. See how I did that? I love it. You right? just every week you every just amaze week. me around the way you just bring it all together. No, I think and this one has so many components too. As always we say it every week. We I'll say it again. If you have thoughts on this, if you have questions on this piece, we're happy to continue it. So please, Absolutely. please, please send us any questions or any thoughts but yes we would love to hear commentary or mm-hmm. questions about our our banter as well yeah if you and if you just want to send us an, uh, a quick note to say uh, you guys suck great. don't do that I, no go ahead <laughs> I'm just kidding I can take it um, but no we, we want to hear from you so no matter what and if you know us um, it, personally, you can always like if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, you can always DM us or send us a, a message privately. And, you know, with your permission, we'll we'll share it with everybody. And everything's always anonymous. So don't worry about having a name or anything out there. So if people want to uh, talk to you directly, how can they find you? Well, you can learn more about me on my Psychology Today profile as far as my uh, services and my approach in regards to therapy. I am accepting new clients, and I do offer a free phone consultation. Uh, You can find me on my website, or you can find out more about me on my website at thephillytherapistkristen.com, and my email if you have any questions uh, or anything at all that you want to uh, talk to me about, just send me an email at thephillytherapistkristen at gmail.com. And if you're curious about me... 
Uh, what are you writing a book? <laughs> uh, no, if you're curious about me and want to know more, you can find me at my website, trueenginecoaching.com. You can read more about me and how I get into coaching and my approach and uh, the services I offer. I too also offer free virtual coffees or free um, focus sessions if you want to get a feel for what coaching is. You can also find me on Facebook on LinkedIn and on Instagram. Just search for um, True Engine Coaching or Coach Ralph and you will find me. Please connect with me. I love connecting with new people and building my my circle of support and uh, online love. So uh, we hope this helped. Thank you so much for the question. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. See you next time. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.